Well, several years ago, I met a young, tall boy in a youth class in Minnesota, and uh, Bob has become more than just a kid in his class to me. He's become a very good friend. Many of you know Bob because he spent several years here with us as children's minister at Forest Park, and he has come graciously to vacation in Crowley, Louisiana. Can you imagine? And uh, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? And uh, yeah, vacationing here to help us with VBS. There certainly is something wrong with Bob, but uh, we'll address that later. Um, Bob, we're super excited you're here. Welcome, and uh, we're excited to hear what you're going to tell us this morning. Happy Sunday. (laughs) That's how it's going to be, right there. So I watch your guys' live stream uh, pretty frequently, and it's awesome, but I've noticed one thing that's happened since I left has really gone downhill, and that is nobody keeps Jason in check. Nobody here. He's, his head's getting so big and swallowed up just because nobody here um, uh, makes sure that, that Jason's head stays just the right size. And yet, it's because you guys are all liars. Because um, when I came in this morning, every single person was just delighted. Finally, somebody else is preaching. <laughs> and so um, uh, I think you, you guys need to be honest and just, just tell them how you feel. Um, I do want to say, though, you, you, I know a lot of places in this church, uh, you don't know how blessed you are with the worship team that you have, with uh, uh, the leadership that you have, yes, with Jason, and certainly with McKay and Julie and everybody, the eldership here. You are just a very blessed church. We, uh, we yeah, yeah, go ahead. And yet you can't say happy Sunday, that's. Uh, but um, but um, we love we love where we're at. But we sure we sure miss all of you. It's so good to see everybody here. Um, I, I love the mission of the church. I love that when you go to the church's website. I guess these people over here didn't want to see me. I guess if I step here, maybe if I step onto the, I don't know. All right, <clears throat> yeah. So the, I love how the church's website, it says right at, uh, at the top of it, it says, Simple New Testament Christianity, Growing Together in Christ. I love that. I love the mission, front and center, right on that. And the mission of the church, of course, comes from Matthew 28, 19 through 20, um, the Great Commission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus starts with that. Starts out by saying, this is where the power has come from. You might have just thought I was a carpenter. You might have just thought I was an ordinary guy. But here I am to declare to you right now, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He starts with his authority, and he says, and I'm going to walk with you. And in the middle, he gives the church his mission. Several years back, um, Don Meschke walked into the church in Plainview. It was before I was there. It was Chuck Coggins was the minister. Chuck served at the church in Plainview for 40 years and um, was the minister. And and Don Meschke walked in, stood at Chuck's desk, and he said, hello, I'm Don Meschke. I'm an alcoholic, and I need a church who's willing to walk with me through that. Is this that church? 
And they said, yeah, yeah, this is that church. Chuck goes, yes. And, and, and Don and Darlene Meschke gave their life to Christ. And, and over the next few years, um, their lives changed dramatically. Don and, Ar- Don and Darlene were kind of a matched set. They owned D&D's Diner for if you're following Don and Darlene, that's D&D. D&D's Diner. They, they cooked. Their love language was food, but they loved to love people. And they loved each other very deeply. And um, Mrs. Darlene, she'd come to VBS and she'd wave her hands in the air and do all the actions. Little old lady doing all the actions with all the kids, hopping around and, and moving. And Mr. Don, he, he every year did the biscuits and gravy for our for our. our our men's breakfast that we have every year for Resurrection Sunday. And so Don and Darlene were a huge part of the church, but their health started to fail, both of them at the same time, right about when I got there. No coincidence there, but it was just just the way it was. Their health declined when I got there. And um, she had cancer and he had heart troubles. And they immediately became clear that both of their situations were bad deal. And uh, I've never seen this before. I got a call in the middle of the night um, or late at night to head out to the hospital to go see Don and Darlene. And they were at St. Mary's in Rochester, and they'd gotten them a double bed. I've never seen that before, but it was an extra wide bed, hospital bed, and both Don and Darlene were in the hospital, um, her for her cancer, him for his heart stuff. And they'd gotten them in the same room, and they were in the same bed. And she, Darlene had called to ask for prayer. And so I came there and their whole family was gathered around the bed. And um, I said, are we ready to pray? And she said, yes. And before I could say a word, she started praying for me. <laughs> I came out the whole way there. I was, I was praying. I was like, God, what am I going to say? What, how, how, what, how am I going to handle this conversation? I pray that you'd give me the right words. And I got there and, and Mrs. Darlene started praying for me. And then she went around and she prayed for every single person in the room. She prayed for Don. She prayed for herself. And then um, I just had just a little bit of time to say a few words of prayer for her. But she, she did that. It wasn't long afterward. They, they managed to get out of the hospital that time. But they, they both came into my office and they said, hey, we're going on hospice. Both of you. Yes. Yeah, we're going on hospice. And, um, and it wasn't that long afterward that I got a call uh, late on a Sunday evening, that um, Mrs. Darlene was going to pass. Went to her house, and there she was with a view. Of, they have this beautiful uh, spot in the valley where the hills rise up right close to the Mississippi River, same river you have here. I didn't know if you knew that. but um, And then the, the hills go up either side, and just a beautiful spot. Turkeys walk in their yard, and, and they see deer there all the time, and she has all these bird feeders and she was sitting there facing those bird feeders. And I got to pray for Mrs. Darlene. And a little while later that night, um, she passed. Or actually, early Monday morning. And uh, I stayed with them until they uh, loaded um, her body in to take it to the funeral home. And Mr. Don stood up and he said, I'm going to cook us some breakfast. <laughs> and Mr. Don, who's on hospice, whose wife just passed away, the love of his life... Um, Cooked us breakfast. Next day, I got a call. And um, it was Don. I know you thought Mr. Don had died, but it was Mr. Don. He called and he said, hey, my mom is passing. Will you come? I said, your mom's passing? Yeah. And um, so I went and I sat and we prayed for his mom. And Mr. Don 
was making sure I had everything. He was walking around his mom's apartment and bringing me stuff and making sure I was fed. And obviously, I've eaten quite a bit since I left here. Um, and then she passed that later that night. Two days later, I got a call. Mr. Don was passing away. His, his wife passed on Monday. His mom passed on Tuesday. And Mr. Don was on his death. But I went in to see Mr. Don. And Mr. Don couldn't move anything. His eyes were open. He could still talk. He's lying back on the bed. And I walk over and I lean over to Mr. Don. His eyes look up. I didn't know if he was awake or anything, but he was looking right at me. I said, Mr. Don, it's Bob from church. How are you doing? And he said, Bob, I love you. <laughs> I lost it right there. I don't know what I was supposed to be there for, but I lost it because Mrs., between Mrs. Darlene praying for me and, and Mr. Don on his deathbed, making sure I knew that he loved me and that he cared about me. And Mr. Don passed, um, passed that day. And later in uh, the next week, we had a double funeral for he and his wife. And I, I've never had a funeral like that. And his kids came up to me and they would say, uh, people over and over again would say, greatest love story ever told. Don and Darlene, greatest love story ever told. But they were wrong. That was not the greatest love story ever told. And if Don and Darlene had been there, they would have told you that. Because the greatest love story was when Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And Don knew that he was a sinner. He knew he'd made mistakes. He knew that his alcohol and that his anger problems and just the different sins in his life had hurt his family. Mrs. Darlene, too, she knew that she needed grace and she needed it bad. And they were known for their love, but they would have, and, but, and, 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 and their love for each other and their love for other people, but they would have told anybody who would have listened the greatest love story that ever told was Jesus Christ coming to this world to save sinners. Now, here's the thing. We need to hear that. We need to hear it every week. We need to think of it every day. It needs to cross our minds so we never lose sight of the fact that all of this, I believe that we're put in this world for one reason, that the reason we're alive in this world is for one reason, and that's to make a choice. To choose whether we're going to live for ourselves and, 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 and fall into darkness or whether we're going to choose the light and choose Jesus. And it all comes down to whether or not Jesus came into this world to save sinners. So the mission of the church, this isn't just playing around. This is the core of who we are. We can't fall into the trap of becoming some club that just meets and has a good time with our friends. We can't fall into that trap. We need to never lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So the Great Commission has these four locations inside. It's a journey. And the very first location is lost. It's the first signpost on the way. Um, Dante said that, that midway along the journey of life, I awoke to find myself in a dark wood, for I'd wandered astray, he said. And everybody has been there. We all know what it's like to have sin come into our life and to find ourselves lost. The Bible has a, a lot of ways it describes this station. Um, lost and dead. <laughs> dead. Not only are we lost without Jesus, we're dead lost. That's as, that's as rock bottom as you can get. You're lost and you're dead. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom of everything. But here's the thing. 
A lot of times we're, people have forgotten today that there really are lost people. They've forgotten maybe that they are lost. Or maybe they've forgotten about when they were lost. We've forgotten that there are lost people in this world. Um, another friend of mine that I met up in, um, um, in Plainview just shortly after we came there. Her name was Jenna. And Jenna first um, had a connection with our church. She was sitting in the back of a police car. Um, her house had been raided and um, uh, she, she and her fellow had been doing drugs and um, their whole life came tumbling down. They'd faked it for a long time, but their whole life fell apart. And she was put in the back of a police car. And it just so happened that the guy that was driving the police car was one of our elders at the time. And he had one car ride with her. And so he starts quoting some scripture to her and telling her about the love of Jesus. And her parents had some friends in our church. And so pretty soon she was connected um, to some people in our church. She knew what it was like to be lost. She knew what it was like to be far from Jesus and, and to, be, um, to be desperate for some answer in a life that, that is missing everything, to desperately desire to have this one truth, one real thing to cling to. But praise God, that's the business he's in. Changing lives and, and bringing people to him. The first station is lost, and that comes right out of the Great Commission. The second station is saved. First location, lost. Second location, saved. And the first thing that we're supposed to do as a church is to help people move from this station to this one. To get people from lost to get people to save. A lot of people want to jump ahead and they want to say everybody's saved, everybody starts out on this station and we're all saved. But here's the thing. You can't be saved unless there's something to be saved from. And, and here's the thing. Uh, people in the church sometimes talk like, like there's no lost station, but people who are lost, they know there's a lost station. They know what it's like to be lost in the darkness, to be away from everything, to be wishing for some kind of hope. When you're sitting in the back of a police car and, and, and your whole life is crumbling apart and you're addicted and your life is out of control and unmanageable and you don't know where to turn because you don't have God in your life, you don't have to argue with somebody about whether you're lost. You know it. It's written all over. You're sitting in it. You're living in it. And you need hope. And yet Christians sometimes are afraid to talk about the fact that there are people in this world that are lost. They know they're lost. It's not a surprise to them. They desperately need somebody to tell them how to get from lost to saved. And so I'm, I don't have, have time to go through all these. I'm not going to argue the scriptures with you. I'm just going to lay it out for you. And then we're going to keep moving because... I've preached 200 and some sermons since I've been here, and now I got a chance to preach one to you, and so I got to fit all 200 sermons into this one. Okay? Oh, and there's a timer somewhere. Yeah. That doesn't tell me how much time there is left. Ten minutes. Who invited this guy to church? Brother, you're still lost. No, 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 that's not my decision. Okay, um... All right, this is in the Great Commission because it says part of our mission is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so here's the steps that get you from lost 
to save. They're laid out in scripture. I can show you the scriptures for these, uh, but we're just going to go through them really fast right now. First step, um, admit that you need a Lord and Savior. You can sit in your mess and you can pretend that you're fine and that you're good on your own and that you're going to rescue yourself by your own power and your own ability, um, but it's not going to happen. You need to admit that you need a Lord and Savior. Here's the second thing. You need to trust Jesus as that Lord and Savior. The Bible calls this faith. Trust Him as that Lord and Savior. Here's the third thing. You need to turn from your sin and toward Jesus. This is the Bible word for repentance. It means I'm going to stop going my way and walking away from God further and further from him, headed my own direction, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to start heading toward him. I'm going to leave that old life behind. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to turn toward him. Here's the fourth thing. Tell people who Jesus is. We do this at baptism where we have somebody stand up and say, hey, hey who's, who's Jesus? And we want them to say that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that he's their Lord and Savior. Um, To proclaim that out loud. And then the last thing is, take the plunge by being baptized. I chose that word on purpose. Because baptism, um, that's what it is. It's going all in. You can't go halfway into your decision to follow Jesus. It's a dive in all your life, all the way in. I'm after after Jesus. And Jesus called people from this first step. When he had the chance to have conversations with people, one of the very first things that people would say about Jesus and that Jesus would say to people was, come and see. You're lost. You want to know the way. You want to experience a way out of this. You want to find something better than where you're at. Come and see. Come and see what's going on. See, see what's happening. Get to know me. Have, let's have a relationship. Let's experience this. And let's start this journey from lost to saved. But here's the thing. Just as sure as a lot of people don't, never move from lost to saved, a lot of people stop at saved, right? Because doesn't that seem like that's the, the top of the hill right there? Saved? We've hit the mark. We've got there. We're saved, right? Done. Fire insurance? Check that off the list. I can live the rest of my life however I want because I'm saved, I got a seat on the lifeboat. I'm fine. I'm not going to go down with the rest of the ship. I'm good right here, saved. But that's not what God wants for us. God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to build you into something. He wants to continue to grow. And so the Great Commission doesn't stop with saved. It moves on um, to talk about somebody who's become equipped. Somebody who's been given tools. Somebody who has certain knowledge and abilities so that they can continue um, to grow and to be useful servants for him. Matthew 28, 20 in the Great Commission, it says that. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We're not just supposed to move people from lost to saved. We're supposed to move them from saved to equipped. We're supposed to teach them everything that God has commanded them, to build that into their heart and into their life so that we can be useful servants, so we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be built up in love and to continue. And so I'm going to give you several things that the Bible says move you um, from saved to becoming equipped. Here's the first one. A daily habit of talking to God. A daily habit of talking to God. 
not just some um, somebody who you call up every so often and and and, and have a conversation with you when you need him, but, but somebody who, who you have a daily habit of talking to. A while back in Plainview, um, I came home for our small group on a Sunday evening, and I forgot all my notes at the church. I'd made a nice handout. It was beautiful, and I forgot it. And Sarah said, well, you better go back. Um, she said, we'll be fine. We'll just talk, and we'll visit till you get back here. And so even though I would never normally be traveling this back to the church this time of the evening on a Sunday night, I found myself driving back to the church. And so I could get in and out of the church building in a hurry. I drove a block past the church so I could park on exactly the right side of the road. And as soon as I went a block past the church and turned the corner, I saw in a yard um, a gal up next to her house who I had, had known. She'd come to church a couple of times, but... Uh, her daughter was part of the youth group, and I, I looked, and I could see, and I, I still can't figure this out, but somehow from the car, I saw tears in her eyes. Driving by, glance at her, I see tears at her eye, in her eyes all the way across the yard. I pull over, I roll down my window, and she about fell apart. I said, how are you doing? And she said, we just prayed for help and peace, and you showed up. Her mom had just died right there at their house, and um, they were lost and didn't know what to turn, and so they'd prayed a quick prayer asking for help and for peace. That's a weird feeling. It is weird to answer somebody's prayer, to be like, okay, God, and then I've been trying to figure it out since. Did I forget my notes because God made me forget? Because then I can start blaming him for a lot of stuff, but... um, (laughs) Uh, or did uh, did I um, you know did did I just go back for that reason? But normally I wouldn't be driving that way on a Sunday morning. Normally I've driven past there a lot of times. I've looked at her eyes and I can't tell if she's crying. That's the kind of power that prayer has, though. Why wouldn't we use that? You want to move from just being an ordinary saved person to becoming a, a, an equipped person, you need a daily habit of talking to God. Here's the, sec- the next thing. Develop a day- daily habit of Bible intake. A daily habit of Bible intake. There's a whole lot of Christians who've never read the Bible all the way through. Isn't that weird? You got a book from God and you didn't read it? We got a guy in our church who... Um, he has severe dyslexia. He's great with his hands. He's an amazing carpenter. He can build all kinds of stuff, and he can visualize things. And there's a lot of guys in this room that are like that. They just have that ability, but he has severe dyslexia. He could barely read. Um, something lit a fire under him that he needed to read the Bible. And he had an accident where he was stuck at home just a little bit more for recovering. And so he started reading some of the Bible every day. And for the first time in his life, he read through the whole Bible, and he read through it in six months with severe dyslexia. He had to read every chapter twice, just about. And it's amazing to see him growing like leaps and bounds in his life. Don't tell me you can't read your Bible. And here's the thing, too. They got, you can get an app on your phone where it'll play it in audio while you're riding in the car. You can knock off a chapter on your way to Walmart and a chapter on the way back, which might be the best thing you got from Walmart. And... and and, and it could just grow. You could have, have, 
have Bible verses texted to you. You can get it in a version that suits your level or whatever. You've got all of these different options. Christians, you know, there are people this morning around the world huddled in corners with one sheet of paper in their house that's ripped out of a Bible. And maybe they've got some like the first chapter of Matthew that they're trying to develop spiritual life out of. And and they're reading some genealogy out of the Bible and their treasured possession is just a chance to read that little piece of scripture that they have. And yet Christians in, in the United States, we got Bibles that are under layers of dust. Jesus doesn't want to leave you at saved. He wants to turn you into an equipped warrior that carries... Um, the sword, the word of God. The next thing, um, we're called to connect with Christian examples. You need Christian examples. You need people ahead of you on the journey who, you can, who can mentor you, who you can walk with, who you can dig in and follow. You need to find those people and you need to connect with them and say, hey, I need a mentor in my life, somebody that could do it. Here's the next thing. You need to attend communion weekly. You need it. You need it, not, not just for that, um, um, for that moment of coming together, although that's part of it. Communion is something we're supposed to do as a group to experience together. And, um, you you got to come to church, and you got to have that moment a week where you just sit and you remember, this is what it's about. This is the real love story. This is, the, it, 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 it is what I need, that Jesus came, and he died for me. And here's the last thing there. You need to heal by forgiving and making amends. Forgiveness is not an option in Christianity. There's time after time the Bible tells us. I I found out a while ago um, that um, I I, I like almost everybody. (laughs) I don't like it when people don't like me. (laughs) Um, But I found out... um, a few years back that I had some things against my grandma who had passed away. My grandma had had um, a history with um, wreckage that she'd kind of created in our family and stuff, and I, I, had, I didn't know, but I had been carrying a whole bunch of stuff. You know how I found out? I was asked to do her funeral. And I sat down, and I tried to write every nice thing I could think of about my grandma. And I was like, this is going to be the shortest funeral ever. Because <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. You know what, though? That's part of your Christian walk. You've got to learn to forgive. You've got to learn to let it go. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean that you don't want consequences for that person. It doesn't mean that you don't believe that, that the person who's hurt you or whatever doesn't have, have some uh, judgment to stand up against, but it just means I'm going to say I'm going to let vengeance be God's and not mine, and I'm going to move forward. You've got to forgive. And Jesus calls people from saved to equipped. He looked at... Um, Peter and John, who he'd already had conversations with, they'd already had the come and see conversation, and, and James and Andrew, and he's, he goes to them and he says, follow me. I don't just want you to be somebody who, who, who's met me a couple of times, some mere acquaintance. I want you to be somebody who follows in my footsteps to be on the path and seeking and going the way that I go. And it says this in, in the commission, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
Well, the next station from equipped. Equipped is not enough. God wants to move you further. Because as sure as he, he calls you to, to move from saved to equipped, he calls you to be sent. He sends people out in the world, and you come right back to the, to the beginning of the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. These disciples, they'd had a, had a chance to learn at the feet of Jesus. They'd, they'd gone from not knowing him to having a relationship with him, to becoming followers from him, to being trained by him, to, to, to having the, this closest relationship with Jesus imaginable. But that wasn't where Jesus wanted them to stay. He said, go, take these gifts and these things you've learned and go back out and use them to make a difference in the world. And so here's, um, here's what moves you from equipped to sent. First, you got to continue steps 6 through 10. There's no time in your life where you outgrow Bible reading and prayer and you don't need Christian examples. There's no time when that's over. You don't say, well, okay, I've read the Bible once. Got it. Mr. Bruce, how many, how many years have you been studying the Bible? Is that all? Uh, well, uh, okay. Oh, he said over 60. That's pretty good. No, no, that's, he said uh, over 60 years, Mr. Bruce has been studying the Bible. Mr. Bruce, do you know everything there is to know about God's word? Learning more now than ever. You don't graduate um, from following God and digging deeper into the Word. You've got to continue those things. They've got to become a daily habit, part of who you are. Here's the next thing. You've got to learn your gifts. The Bible says that God's given us gifts. He's given us abilities and, and, and things that, that he wants to use for the kingdom. Um, gifts of hospitality and of service and, and of speaking and of music. And this church is a great one for using gifts, but you have gifts. And there might be people who come every Sunday morning and they sit in their chair and they think, look, this is great that I'm being fed by all these people, but they don't realize the body needs them. It needs your gifts you got to learn your gifts, then you've got to use your gifts to serve. you got to use your gifts to make disciples. Use your gifts to serve. Use your gifts to make disciples. And then the last thing, keep growing and following Jesus. Jesus didn't leave the disciples at the point where where they had, had grown. He said, go and bear fruit. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus had a lot of harsh things to say about good-looking trees. Trees that started out and, and grew from a seedling into a, into a beautiful tree but never bore any fruit. <laughs> he had, there's a ton of warnings in Scripture about what happens when, when we do that, when we just become really good at, 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 at having this outside look. I remember uh, Brother Jack Harris I remember him saying that some of us have had just enough Christianity to inoculate us against the real thing. <laughs> Sometimes we get just enough Jesus, and we say, okay, I got it. I learned 12, I know about Noah's Ark, and David and Goliath, and Daniel in the lion's den, and Jesus on the cross, got it. And I, I, know, I know when to stand in the service and when to bow my head. And you look just like a full tree 
but you're not bearing any fruit because Jesus said we're supposed to go and bear fruit. We're not just supposed to to stay on that station. We're supposed to, to grow into something more. Here's the thing. Jesus has so much more for you. If you think you've peaked out as a Christian or you've achieved it, you've gotten to the top, I want to tell you, Jesus has so much more for you. There's higher levels. There's greater things. And, 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 and the relationship could be better and closer and deeper than it is right now. He wants to call you to so much more than you have right now. So here's just several things. One, discipleship is a path, not a checklist. I know I just laid out to you kind of a checklist, a whole bunch of things and stuff, but, but discipleship is a path that's not a checklist. Jesus said, follow me. That's why it's broken down into steps. You might say, well, I could never, I could never use my gifts in the church. Well, maybe that's not where you're at. Maybe what you need to be doing is growing down roots as a Christian and getting into the Word and having that conversation. All you have to worry about right now is the next step in following Jesus. Here's the next thing. God cares more about your direction than your location. Isn't that interesting? When I figured that out, when the God cares more about your direction than your location, you know how I know this? The parable of the lost son. Remember the parable of the lost son? He, he wanders away from the father. He goes off and he squanders everything that the father's given him, the inheritance and everything. And, and pretty soon he's eaten with pigs. But he starts walking back toward the father and the father runs out to get him. I tell you, it doesn't matter how far you walk away from Jesus. You turn around, he's going to be right there waiting for you. Here's the next thing. God is calling you to the next step. Say, well, I don't really hear God's voice in my life, and, and I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next or where I'm supposed to move. I can tell you right now, God is calling you to more than where you're at. There's so much more that he wants to do with your gifts and with your abilities. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a growing church of people who are learning to, to, to move from, from lost to saved and then to, to, to have their gifts and then to use their gifts in the church. Everyone does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. The real story, um, the real love story is Jesus. There's a friend right now that I have. His name is Pete. Uh, <laughs> I love Pete. Uh, uh, the, the, the coolest thing about hanging around church is you get to see people change. And there's a whole lot of people here. It's so exciting to come back and to see five years later and to see how people have grown and changed and what God has done in your life. You, some of you don't even realize it because you've just been living it and day to day you're taking one step at a time and you don't, but you need to take a step and look at your life, some of you, and realize how far God has taken you in the last five years, one step at a time, moving forward. Pete um, had tried a whole bunch of treatment centers 
Um, we, we have a sober recovery program, too, up there, so a lot of my stories are, are about people struggling with that. But Pete um, had tried a whole bunch of different recovery plans, and, um, and um, something got him to come to our recovery group. And for the very first time uh, in decades, Pete got sober for a year. And then he just kept adding days on. And pretty soon, Pete's life was kind of like playing a country song backward. And he got his, his car back, and he got his job back, and he got his life back, and everything just started coming back to Pete's life. And you got to see how Jesus changed his life, and things are moving and happening. I tell you what, there's only one place in the world where you can get that kind of grace, that kind of hope, that kind of life change. And that's in the church. That's with Jesus. We need to never forget that. I want to give you greetings from the church up in Plainview, from the eldership up there. We do feel like sister churches, a um, whole lot of things similar with us. They're meet, meeting up there right now at 9 a.m. They're probably getting out a little earlier uh, than you guys are because we have a different guest speaker than you guys do. Um, but... Here's the thing. Satan is working so hard. He's working overtime. And he's got one goal. To get us to take our eyes off the mission. To get us to forget that there are real lost people that need help. To get us to say, okay, I've reached this level and I'm just going to stagnate and I'm going to stop where I'm at in my growth. I've had just enough Jesus. That's all I need. And here's the deal. You never end there. If you're not moving forward, you're sliding back. And we don't get to see you guys every week and stuff. But I'm planning on an eternity with some of you guys to catch up. And what makes the church of Forest Park an amazing church is that Forest Park, for years, has been focused on the mission. Don't lose that. Will you pray with me? Will you stand and pray? Father, you're the answer. You loved us so much that you sent your son into this world because you care. You want so much more out of us. You have so much bigger planned for us. So, Father, I pray that we would just be willing to take the next step. You're calling us. You're calling us to so much more. Father, if there's somebody here um, who has never invited you into their life who's, um, who's lost, maybe they're just waking up and realizing that. Father, call them right now to the next step. Father, if there's somebody here who maybe they just, they got baptized and that was enough for them and they just, they never did anything more in their life and, and, and they said they wanted you to be Lord, but they quit following you. Father, call them to dig in and to grow. 
Father, if there are people here um, who, who, ha- who you have poured into and they know it, you have just taught them and you have given them scripture and you've given them godly examples in their life and, and, and you've planted gifts in their heart, but yet they just decided I'm, I've just retired or I'm done. Um, or it's, it, Father, whatever, uh, I pray that you would call them back into service. Father, call us all up to active duty. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.